Hello and welcome to Fleet News Group Podcast. I'm Caroline Falls and today I'm speaking with Steve Lewis, a managing partner at Avenergy, an Australian advisory and software company helping fleets transition to lower emission vehicles. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Caroline. Steve, I was uh, I reached out to you after looking at a paper you presented at the AFMA conference uh, for fleets in May this year, and boy, how times have changed since then. Inflation, war in Ukraine, mounting supply chain issues from tight and expensive shipping to COVID-induced labour shortages. Also, a more EV-friendly federal government has been installed. Uh, your paper. I think you presented it like a, just right on the eve of that uh, election. So let's look at the EV landscape as it was then and as it is now. But first, tell me a bit more about Avenergy, its foundation story, who its customers are, things like that. Great. Um, so Avenergy started in 2016 um, by a man named Dan Hilson, an Australian. Um, with the with the ambition to help help fleets to transition to zero emissions options, um, our business our business has expanded to to basically help people on the entire journey uh, of that process. So all the way from you know the first phases of working out what's the transition framework and more of a, an advisory type piece of work, um, all the way through to then software which can help you to model detailed design and then actually operate depots and do smart charging and demand management. Um, we do we do work, uh, a lot of work in Australia, but also we have offices now in the UK, the US and India. And um, we do work at uh, all the different government levels. So a lot of work for governments on the strategic side, working out from both fleet transition and um, on uh, charger strategies and charging strategies. Uh, and also now starting to see um, a lot of movement just starting in the commercial space. And that kind of leads to your other point around some of the things that have changed in the last six months. Um, the, the thing that's really sparked it with us is probably led to a degree by the federal government, but also the amount of vehicles that are now just starting to become available, opening up a lot more options um, and starting to get starting to get the interest of the commercial market too. So starting to see a lot of um, lot of interest in from logistics companies and um, other people with large complex fleets. And um, among your uh, clients are the ACT government, one of the most progressive in Australia. That's one of your clients, is that right? Yes, correct. So we do a lot of work for ACT. Um, also, New South Wales, definitely happy to give um, New South Wales government a shout out. I think they have by far and away the largest um, largest investments in renewable tech and we do a lot of work for those guys both on the public transport bus um, uh, side of the business uh, or side of the, the government and also on their own um, their own 20,000 strong fleet of vehicles as well. Okay so let's just get into some of the nuts and bolts of what's going on. I was uh, yeah just wanted to talk about charging infrastructure like is it being built quick enough? Is it being done well? Uh, there's a lot of big names and partnerships jumping in, like Ampol with Ampcharge for one. Um, talk to me about, you know, what's going on in that space. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's fantastic. Uh, like it's really good to see um, 
companies jumping in and governments incentivising that. Uh, it would almost be without exception now each state has um, at least some level of uh, plan and strategy around that and is starting to look at linking up the differences and I think that's the key thing is that really with all of that infrastructure it needs to have that needs to have that level behind it where there is um, someone who's done that demand planning about where the routes are and you know where the grid is and then making sure that you're putting the charging infrastructure in the places where a, it's going to be needed to um, to enable people to get from one destination to another and and make that inclusive of all parts of Australia being a very big and um, and uh, a country where a lot of long distance driving is required to move from one place to another um, but also that it's that it's linked into the grid too um, one of the things that we really do quite a bit of work on and I think it's going to be really important is once we start to get more and more fast charging, which um, is really the networks that, that these guys are putting in, um, that is going to be a large constraint on the grid. And so we need to do that sensibly because um, if we don't, uh, we're just sort of seeing in the in the in the news at the moment um, the potential for large increase in electricity prices. And if we don't do this sensibly, um, we're going to end up creating much higher peak demands and um, then we'll you know we'll continue to see further increases in electricity costs and uh, can be avoided it just needs to make sure that we do the charging in a, in a smart way and use what we have rather than make solutions that require um, whole new electrical infrastructure to be built mm. and talking about our energy and constraints on energy I mean this is just also one of the things that in a in a depot in you know in their own uh charges that they have in their own depot you know if energy must be helping companies to understand you know what they can draw down from there is that right do you have you know how do you help a, a company in that area yeah yeah it's really it's really important um to make sure that you can get the charging strategy right so it comes you know first of all working out um, what are the use cases of your vehicles? Um, what's, what, what type of charger is best suited for that? And, and typically we sort of recommend that you pick, you know, the slower the charger that you can get away with, the better. That's why um, destination charging is really kind of the way that EVs like to be, like to be used. It's, it is a bit of a change. Um, our mindset with a, with a you know, traditional petrol or diesel engined vehicle is you kind of run it down to near empty and then you just fill it straight back up because you're doing it on route and it's not it's not done at your destination um, with an EV you kind of don't want to do that zero to full uh, at a particular point in time what you ideally do is you want to park the vehicle wherever you, you're going to park and then while it's parked it just it just gets topped up um, so that when you come back it's all full and you don't have to sort of do that on route charging um, when you're talking in depots, that's that's kind of the ideal ideal charging for a typical mixed fleet. If you're talking buses and sort of you know waste vehicles that do have such a high load, they still end up do needing um, even sort of slow DC charges is the best way to charge those things up typically. And um, yeah, you're talking you know megawatts by the time you you even work out in a smart way uh, how how buses. Uh, need to be charged overnight so really really important that you get that right and even working with the um with the, the grid operators um we're doing some work at the moment where we're taking 
not only live feed out of the buses to know what the buses are going to need, but also a live feed from the, um, the grid operator to know what capacity is available on the network and then trying to make those two things line up because, you know, um, as, as you would know, the, the, grid is, the grid is built for the build around the peak um, in electricity requirement, which is usually only for a small part of the day. So we definitely don't want to increase that peak, but it does mean there's a lot of time outside of that peak that can be used to push more energy through the grid. Um, and that's a good thing for the grid. And so mm -hmm. if we can make the charging line up with that time, that actually helps, helps the grid to be more cost effective rather than um, adding to the peak and adding to the costs of the grid. Let's just take a nod to a couple of years ago when one of the most memorable lines in the EV debate was uh, a, a leading government politicians suggesting EVs would ruin the weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much has that helped grow the knowledge level in the community? Um, and uh, I do think that statement helped liven the discussion. There's even a Facebook page uh, along the lines ruin the weekend yeah i think uh obviously that, yeah i think i would see that line quoted at least once a week <laughs> when anything new comes out or someone you know does a trip uh all the way through the back of you know some uh some random part of the world and uh and manages to make it with an electric vehicle um but yeah like i think it did it did sort of um it did challenge that and i think it did bring um it did give uh it did give EV enthusiasts a, uh, a catch cry, um, but it's really, you know, it's starting to be, it's starting to be disproven in almost all sort of facets. You know, there's, there's still work to go absolutely before it's, it's a, a thing you can just drive out, particularly if you're towing a boat or something like that and not have to think about where you're charging. But, um, you know, you've, you've already got vehicles um, that are in the market now that have got that sort of 500k range on them. Um, which is which is well and truly enough to get to you know most places you can go for a weekend, uh, and you're starting to see now in the models that are coming available, you're starting to see some of those having um, you know significant tow ratings. Uh, so you know it won't, won't be too many more years, and those those vehicles will all be pretty commonplace um, and will be available. And you know once you're at that point, you also what you mentioned before the the, the public charging infrastructure network will have grown as well. And I think you will get, you know, a couple of years back to that point where it'll be quite normal to just run out with a boat on the back and not be um, leaving your house wondering about where you're going to charge next. We'll be back after a short break for a word from our sponsor, Sofico Services. Sofico is a world-leading provider of enterprise software for the automotive leasing, finance, and mobility industry. For more than 30 years, international leasing companies and OEMs count on Sofico's expertise and technology to help them transform innovative product concepts into streamlined business processes and engaging customer experiences. With more than 370 experts, eight offices on four continents, 
and an annual growth averaging 15%, Sofico is perfectly positioned to help its customers succeed in a rapidly changing market where electrification, shared fleets, and multimodal mobility challenge us and our customers to play a pioneering role. Continuous investment in people, innovation, and leading-edge technology is the basis for continued growth and success. Just yesterday, the last day of October, was the closing date for submissions to the National EV Strategy. Um, did your organisation make a submission and, um, did, you know, what did you call for? Yes, we, we did. Um, so the, the key things that we were sort of looking for, um, which we also um, were, you know, uh, working in, in conjunction with the Electric Vehicle Council as well. Um, but the fuel standard, I think, is a really important one. Um, you can you can literally see, like I think New Zealand's a great a great comparator at the moment to look at a country that has a fuel standard and almost every single vehicle is coming into New Zealand um, you know, a few months ahead of Australia at the moment. Um, and uh, you know you've got you've got it's it's good to see that a bunch of the the vehicle manufacturers are now starting to make more commitments to Australia, but a number of them have come out in the past and said that you know, until you put until you put a, a clean vehicle standard in place, um, where where we've got other countries that are going to be more highly prioritised. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing which we were pushing for is um, is a national standard around uh, around what what charging infrastructure is available. So building building a platform. That takes that can that can feed can feed websites like PlugShare. Um, it can be available for vehicle manufacturers. Um, it can be available for people building new um, grid networks. And you want that you want that to know all of the all of the public charging um, infrastructure which is available when it's in use and not in use. So collecting a little bit more data than than the current systems would collect, um, and have that available to everybody. So a vehicle knows it's getting low. It can put into its GPS where's the nearest available charger and just just throw directions onto its screen to tell you how to get there. Um, existing websites could use that uh, to capture, make sure they're capturing all of all of the chargers available, and it even starts to work into then the whole um, billing side and making that so you don't need to carry. One of the things in the UK that they're seeing, being a bit further advanced down the down the field than we are, is to deal with the charging networks all being uh, independent, you kind of end up need to carry around the equivalent of you know ten different charge cards, or ten different fuel cards if you're sort of talking old old language, um, to make sure that you can you can actually use the charger that you find. So some of those sorts of things you can build platforms to integrate exactly the same way that say ATMs have in the banking world. And now you know if you remember back ten years ago, you you could only go to a couple of different ATM brands. And now that's kind of changed, and you can just go to whichever one you you sort of see, and pull money out, and all of the the transaction management happens in the background. So something similar to that, I think, is where we should be looking to get to with electric vehicles and charging as well. Oh, I agree that, that definitely has to happen. Hadn't even thought about it like that yet. Um, I wonder if you've got an opinion on the latest federal budget, where they confirmed that they. Uh, 
will bring in EV tax concessions, uh, the fringe benefit tax and import tax um, in a form that will particularly, maybe almost only, affect the business community. Um, what's your reaction? You know, is it anything to crow about? Will it make any difference? Yes, yeah, absolutely, I will. Um, I think you get, um, you know, I think they sort of say it's like the, it's the fleets that, that bring in, what is it? I forget the exact stat. I won't try and quote one in a in in a in an interview uh, that I'm making up. But yeah, a lot of the a lot of new vehicles are purchased by fleets and then make their way into the secondhand market. So it is definitely a very large way that that new vehicles are purchased. Um, so it will target that. And the other thing that I can see, so we a lot of our customers have um, a bunch of utes and light commercial vehicles in their fleets and are looking at you know what are their options at transitioning those, which there's starting to be some options, but you know they're still they're still a bit on the limited side at this point. Um, one of the things that we're starting to look at is because those fringe benefit taxes, which um, you already get on utes. Uh, of course, they will now apply to reasonably priced electric vehicles as well. It's uh, some of those vehicles that you currently have as utes, could you start picking small SUVs and therefore open up a range of electric vehicles um, that you can start your transition to now? Because there is a lot of cases where people have utes, um, but, you know, the actual, the train only gets used um, once every few months. And, you know, and it's really a question is if you had a, had a small SUV, could you just put it in the back of the SUV anyway? Uh, and so that's 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 a thing that I I think the FBT changes have have really opened up because uh, that's a you know uh, a good material chunk of the price of the vehicle which is tied up there, so it can really make the difference between that being a, a yes or being a no. Um, yeah, just talking about those sort of vehicles too, uh, they might even fit into some of the last mile delivery uh, areas where there's a significant opportunity for EVs. And um, when you realise that, as you said too, that so many of the new vehicles coming in are purchased by, uh, initially by uh, fleets, um, and you realise also that the task of reducing emissions in transport is largely down to the fleet community. And uh, this, last mile delivery have to be one of the areas for any fleet to knock off first, you know, trial an EV as your delivery vehicle. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you see happening in that area? Yeah, 100% agree with that. And um, it makes sense in for two reasons. It makes sense for all the things you just said about, you know, there's a, a good chunk of emissions tied up in that, in that world. Um, it's a growing part of the, the network as well. You know, there's a lot more of that happening than there was five, 10 years ago. Um, but it's also quite a good use case for electric vehicles. It's kind of almost the perfect world where you do um, a reasonably high number of kilometres each day, but you're not doing big, long radial trips where you're going to start to really challenge the range of a vehicle. You know, a vehicle a vehicle doing 150 to 200 k's a day, um, that's well within the range of the, the vehicles that are coming to market right now. Um, and it means that over the course of you doing that every single day of of the week, um, you end up with a lot of kilometres by the end of the year that you've done. And as we all know, electric vehicles they cost a little bit more, bit more upfront, but then their their running costs are much lower. 
So if you can find use cases where you are doing lots of kilometers, you tend to get a much better payback. And you know, you, you're getting you're getting instances now where the actual electric vehicle over the over when you add up all of the costs of its its life cycle, um, they're starting to actually be you, there's a benefit, a commercial benefit in changing over to an electric vehicle already, uh, which is really great to see because that's that's going to be the the real the real swinging point for these sorts of businesses, right? You know, they are they are a commercial entity. They're as well as their environmental obligations. They also are looking to you know to make a dollar. And so if we can if we can get the solutions to the point where it's ticking both of those boxes, that's going to be where it really just um, opens up. And that's not far away. So there's a bunch of vehicles. You know, Europe's really got a whole a whole lot. Um, New Zealand has a couple now that that haven't arrived in Australia yet. <laughs> what we're saying before, but they're not far away. And so once they start to arrive, it's really going to start to open up a bunch of those options. And then there's even a few. You know, as I said, we've been up. We're up in India, and so I was up there not long ago, and looking at um, looking at uh, some of the options that they're doing up there around uh, small small vehicles that do that last mile delivery is also um, very exciting. Yeah, like the little tuk-tuk. In fact, um, tomorrow I'm going to a launch of, I think it's possibly the first electric tuk-tuk in Australia, which is being brought in by um, Last Mile Delivery Group called ANC. Yep. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, just talking about uh, the number of models and variants now in Australia, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times that it is expanding. And your group keep a pretty close eye on this, don't you? You put out a report, I think, every quarter on yeah, availability. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've got one in front of you, but um, you know what what's coming soon. What can you tell us? And um, are you particularly keen on anything that's coming in soon? Yeah, um, I don't have one open right now, but the the really the the key things that I well the things I'm most excited about coming through is um, the some some of the new commercial vehicles that are coming from the big Chinese manufacturers um, like the LDV uh, electric Ute um, T60. Uh, that's that's the first Ute that's going to be available in Australia. It's it is only the first one coming is two wheel drive, so it's not going to tick off the four wheel drive box. But it's um it's a start, and there's a, a bunch of use cases that you don't need the four wheel drive for too. So that's really exciting to me because you're getting um you're getting a bunch of those sorts of vehicles. That it's a massive it's a massive part of the Australian fleet, um, and to date it has had no solution that is. Uh, zero emissions um, alternative. So super exciting to start to see some of those things because all of our all of our customers are saying yeah, we want to we want to transition. Um, what vehicles do we have available? <laughs> and in the sedans and the SUV, you're starting to get a good range of options to to meet most use cases. Um, the that small commercial space is starting to get a few options as well. Buses have got a great number of options now. The Ute is the you know the last bastion that we really need a couple of good options for. So seeing a few things like that coming through into the Australian market shortly will be will be really exciting. And I know there's a few other Utes that are sort of you know on their way as well. So uh, hopefully within another six months um, we will start to have a, a good couple of options that we can start picking from. Oh, fantastic! 
Thank you for your time today, Steve. It was great to talk to you about all things EV. No problems. It was my pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Fleet Auto News Podcast. It was edited and produced by Isabella Fiorentino. Thank you again to our new sponsor, Sofico Services. It's great to have you on board. The original theme music for this podcast was created by Isabella Fiorentino. You can follow us on Spotify. Just search for Fleet Auto News. We're also on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Our website is fleetautonews.com where you can get all our stories, videos and podcasts. Until next time, drive safely and take care.